Join us, if you would, in the Gospel according to Numbers. The book of Numbers, chapter 9. The book of Numbers, chapter 9. We read some of this passage last week, and we looked at some of the issue that had come up with some men that had touched a dead body, and that they would be prevented. And and when we get to that point, we want to bring out, they were not complaining about the law. They were not complaining about it. They just wanted to know what the Lord's will about them participating. But when we, we are going to look at that at a later time, but I do want to look here again today at Numbers chapter 9, verse 8. Numbers chapter 9 and verse 8. Moses, when he got word from these men that had touched a dead body and they'd not be able to participate in the Passover, He did something that was very wise. He went to the Lord. He asked those men, stand still right here, wait. Let me go talk to God about this matter. And that is such an instruction for every believer. Wait, I say, wait on the Lord. Here in the book of Numbers chapter 9 and verse 8, the scripture says, And Moses said to them, stand still. And I'll hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Now that's a wise decision on Moses' part. And yet this is not the first time, nor will it be the last time, that he will ever give those instructions. Because he was like we, needed to know the will of God. And I'd like to spend some time on that today. How do we know the will of God? How does God show us his will? Now, I mentioned last week that God spent time during the writings of the Old Testament and the writings of the New Testament in speaking personally and individually to people. He used prophets to do that. He used other men to do that. Ministers, he did that. Moses did that. In fact, he spoke directly to Moses, and it's recorded often in the book of Leviticus and here in the book of Numbers. But in our time, we find out that God speaks to us through his word, this word, and Our description of what he has said to us needs to agree with this and not this agree with what we say he said to us. So we want to be careful about that. And we find that uh, uh, the will of God is way beyond us. And sometimes we say that is a hard saying. (laughs) God's will is just hard, but it is his will. Now, in the book of Acts, chapter 13, we find this message with regard to David. We could go back to the book, uh, the books of the Old Testament, and we could read the life of David, but in this verse of Scripture, his life is summed up, and he is there. He is the king of Israel by divine decree. He is the king of Israel by God's divine appointment. He's the king of Israel because God chose him to be the king of Israel. And he was anointed king before he actually uh, reigned on the throne. It so uh, speaks of our glorious Lord. He was the king in eternity past. He's the king today and he will forever be the king. We're not waiting for him to sit down on the throne. He's already been sitting down on the throne. But in the book of Acts chapter 13 and verse 36 We have these words, for David 
after he had served his own generation, notice this now, by the will of God. David had served his generation by the will of God. Now he did some things that were displeasing to God, but his reign and where he reigned and how he reigned was by the will of God. Fell asleep and was laid upon his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. So he goes on and talks about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he did not see corruption as David saw corruption. But we want to notice here that David ruled by the will of God. God put him there. He was the king because God established his kingdom and put him there. And he was only responsible for his generation. That's all we can be responsible for is our generation. We cannot be responsible for the generation behind us. And we cannot be responsible for the generation in front of us. Now we need to be faithful to the generations that's in front of us. But what happens during that period of time is God's will for that period of time. Now... Many years ago, Brother Mahan was asked to preach a funeral, and I have a copy of his outline, and his first statement at this funeral was, and we know this is the will of God. Now that seems strange, doesn't it? The death of a person is the will of God? Yes, it is. When it happened, how it happened... Everything about it is the will of God because everything is carried out in this world according to the will of God. God is going to express his will. Sometimes he reveals his will to us and sometimes his will is hidden from us, but his will will be carried out. History declares the will of God. From this moment backwards is the will of God being carried out. And people will say, well, that that can't be. Well, if we're going to argue with the teaching, we're not arguing with the teaching, we're arguing with the teacher. And don't argue with the teacher. The teacher is God Almighty, and when he declares and decrees that his will will be carried out in all things, that's exactly what he's going to do. Now, we read a passage of scripture over here, Brother Craig just read it, in the book of Romans chapter 8. Would you turn there with me in Romans chapter 8? In Romans chapter 8, there in verse 27. Now, I've expressed myself several times to people about, you think that the easiest, most easiest thing for a Christian to do would be to pray. We'd think that's just a conversation. And yet, we find here in the scripture that we know not how to pray as we ought. And we depend upon the Holy Spirit to present our prayer acceptable and having it in the will of God. Well, the next verse here in verse uh, 27 of that chapter, chapter 8, verse 27, we just heard this read. And he searches the hearts, knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, when we pray, we may not be praying in the will of God, but thank God that his Holy Spirit intercepts that, takes care of it, presents it in the will of God, and then he lets us know. God is so merciful to prevent us sometimes from going contrary to his will. 
He intercepts it. He uh, makes intercession for us according to the will of God. And the saints are thankful for that kind of interception on our behalf, that he would give us the will of God. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, Romans chapter 12, we have this. As Moses stepped aside for a moment and said, Lord, what would you have us do here? What would you have these men do? There in the book of Numbers, chapter 9, what would you have us do here? An honest question to an almighty God about some men that had been, by necessity, no doubt, touched a dead body. What will you have us do? Well, we'll find out what the Lord's going to do over there, but notice with me here in the book of Romans, chapter 12. Verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not confounded to this world, conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, that word perfect doesn't mean the opposite is imperfect. This word perfect means complete, to brought to conclusion, to the end, might know the end of God's will for us. We might understand that so that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is what God is doing with the church. He's allowing the church to know the perfect will of God or the end result. You know what the end result of the church is? sitting before the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ and God Almighty, worshiping him and crying out, worthy is the lamb that was slain. That's his will for his body. This is what he is going to do. Now in 1 Corinthians, if you'll turn there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1, we have a wonderful statement made here by the Apostle Paul because he understood something about the will of God and his salvation, Paul's salvation. He understood something about this, that he was not a contributor to this. He was only a recipient of it. He was not a participant of it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. He understood, and let me back up here for just a moment, God is never frustrated. God is never frustrated. God is always even keel. He is always straight ahead. He has never been frustrated. He's never come to a conclusion that says, I don't know what to do. He has always been forthright, knowing exactly what he's going to do, because he purposed what he's going to do before the world was ever created. And the Apostle Paul, in retrospect, looked back at all those things that he had committed and all those things he had done in his life, and he said, when he came up to the road to Damascus, he saved me because it was God's will to save me. Now, the Apostle Paul had resisted that before. He didn't want to hear it before. He, in fact, had a man that was a preacher of the gospel shut up permanently. Had him taken out of this world, had him killed, had him stoned to death because he didn't want to hear this anymore. Well, thanks be unto God and Saul of Tarsus and later Paul the apostle understood that God saved him because it was God's will that he be saved. <clears throat> 
when religion says that God wants everybody to be saved, then we have a frustrated God that doesn't have any way of ruling over his own creation. But when the scriptures teach us that he's going to save whom he will, not by our will and not by our strength, but by his grace that he's going to save, then we have a God that's never going to be frustrated. And God is never frustrated. He's not frustrated with our actions. He has overwrite over them. He has the oversight over them. He has the oversight over this entire world at all the same time and has had it from beginning and will have it till the end. So Paul called through the will of God. Were you saved on purpose or were you saved by mistake? That's what it boils down to. And we find out that the word of God says he saved every one of his lost sheep on purpose at the right time, at the right place, and they were met with the right gospel. They were met by the word of God. So this will of God, Moses went aside, he's done it. He will do it some more. Other of the old saints, others those in the days of the apostles, down to the dark ages up to this point, God's people stop for a moment and say, God, reveal me to your will, if you would. Now, if he doesn't, that's his business too. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Galatians, chapter 1. Galatians, chapter 1. You know, the Lord has promised here in the book of Galatians, chapter 1, about his will. He's going to do something because it's his will to do this. And I'm thankful that any time God is wanting to do something, he does it. He's decreed it. It will be carried out. He never, he's not like we are. And that's, we find in the Old Testament, a number of places that you, you think I'm like you are. And that's a statement he makes against natural man. You think I'm like you are. And that's why we have all the idolatry going on, because they think he's like they are. We think he's like we are. And God said, I'm not like you are. As far as the heavens are above the earth, are my ways above your ways. And that's a long ways. We sometimes get so uh, bound up in trying to get something done, and God never gets bound up in trying to get something done. He's always had his purpose, and he will carry it out to the very end. And his purpose will be carried out to the point that everyone that was chosen in the Son by the Father, and everyone that Christ died for on the cross, and everyone that the Holy Spirit goes and gives regeneration to, will meet with him in glory. Amen. All of them. Not one will be lost. Well, here in the book of Galatians, chapter 1 and verse 4, just think about this. <clears throat> it says, who gave himself for our sins. This is Christ, gave our, himself for our sins. That's the only reason we can be presented and come into the presence of the Lord. People without having sin dealt with will never be in the presence of God. Someone asked me the other day, why did that man go to hell? He's a sinner. That's it. That's the reason. Well, he wasn't a great sinner. He's, everybody's a great sinner in the eyes of God. We're that by nature who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present. Did you read that next word? Evil. Had it back then. Had it in the days of Abel. 
Had it in the days of Noah. Had it in the days of Moses. Had it in the days of David. Solomon. Had it in the days down through all ages. It's here too. Present evil world. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. God has a purpose to deliver us from this present evil world. You know, we used to raise calves. Dad would go get these calves for $10, and maybe 90% of them would survive. (laughs) And that was good. But there came a day when we had to break them from sucking milk out of a bucket and put them on grass. What's God do for His children? When He saves us, He begins that glorious, glorious way of His will being carried out. What does it say there? To deliver us from this present evil world. Did He begin it when He saved us? Oh my, no. He was interested in us before we were ever born. He was interested in us when we were in the loins of Adam. He had it all set out that there's going to be a time in the process of time in the country that I have them born in to the parents that I have them born to. They're going to hear the world and or hear the word and they will be delivered from this present evil world. Turn with me, if you would, a couple more places. One in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. The Lord wants us to know his will and sometimes... His will is so apparent. Yesterday I was visiting with a young lady. (laughs) Well, she's younger than I am. Let's put it that way. And she just lost someone in her family, her brother. And I said, you know, we just don't know how things are going to work out for the glory of God and his will. But I can tell you this. I met some dear, dear folks at a funeral. They're sitting on the front row right here. And they're part of the reason I'm here. So I never can second guess what God is doing because He's going to do it right. He is going to accomplish His purpose, He is going to reveal His will. Now, when you folks asked me to pastor about the second Sunday I came, I simply said, and you know, in my heart, I knew I was coming, but I wanted you to get to know me and I wanted to get to know you. So it was about a year that we just came and met together. But it was not a hard decision. I knew the will of God when you said, finally, we want you to come. Sure. Now, there have been other times that things Discovering the will of God has not been near that easy. But we just have to rest in the Lord that he will carry it out according to his good purpose. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And verse 6, it says... Not with eye service as men pleasers, 
but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Now, what does it say there? Doing the will of God from the heart. You know, there's only a group of people that can do that. Doing the will of God from the heart. We have to have a new heart to be able to do that. We cannot substitute an old evil heart and expect to know the will of God. It is a heart that God has created in us. It is a new heart that God has given us that we're able to ascertain the will of God for us and to understand it. I know it's the will of God that I read this. Do I read it as much as I could? No. I know it's the will of God that I pray. Do I pray as much as I could? No. I know some things about the will of God, and yet I am slack concerning it. But he's pleased to reveal, even in that time, the the purpose of God and his grace. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Philippians for just a moment. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. We read this about the will of God. As Moses turned aside for a moment and said, Lord, show me what you want me to do with these men. They have a valid reason to come. Now, if it's your will they don't participate in it, let me know it. If it's your will that they do participate in it, let me know it. And I wonder if Moses wasn't just a little bit shocked when the Lord came back and says, well, wait a month and we'll have it again. The 14th day of the second month. Well, that was a good answer. Sometimes we're unable to figure out what God wants us to do, but he figures it out for us and takes care of the business. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, isn't that an interesting verse? It is God that worketh in you. Now, I'm thankful for that Holy Spirit that works in us, that it is He that is responsible. He works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. That's what He did when we cried out for mercy. He worked in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. It is He that moved upon us to bring us under the sound of the gospel. It is he that worked upon us. When we heard it, we may have said, oh, not for me, but he kept us persistent to come and hear it again. It is he that worked in us all of these things. He takes people that are dead in trespasses and sin, that don't have any ears to hear. They don't have any eyes to see. They don't have any mouth to praise. They don't have any feet to come. They don't have any hands to worship. And God raises us and gives us all of those qualities, spiritually speaking, and says, I'll make you both to will and to do of my good pleasure. Now, if someone wants to call me a puppet, I just have, I answered one person one time. I said, it just depends on who's the puppeteer. If it's Almighty God, it's good. He can take care of it as He pleases. So He is the one that makes His people both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And sometimes it grates us, but He's going to make us to do will and to do of His good pleasure. Moving just a little further in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 
God has a purpose, and He's carrying it out. And, you know, I, I was in a religion that we called it progressive sanctification. That, that was a doctrine. Progressive sanctification. That we were getting better and better. That we were getting more holy and more sanctified. And it happened by the clothes you wore and where you didn't go and what you didn't do and what you didn't eat and on and on it went. And then, you know, the Lord saved me and I found out Christ is my sanctification. He's all of it. Now, He will change our attitude about many things. He will make us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. But it's He that's doing it and He's the one that is producing it, not us. And it's not changing our sanctification because our sanctification is set in Christ. But in Philippians chapter, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, there in verse 3, the scriptures share this. For this is the will of God. Oh, I want to know this. I love running into verses of scripture that have it. This is the will of God. He's got it laid out for me. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Now, You know, there's more said in the Bible about spiritual fornication than there is any other kind. And that is agreeing with those who do not know the gospel. That is fornication. That is spiritual fornication. Agreeing with those who do not know what the gospel has to say. Agreeing with those who say, well, you know, everybody's doing a good work and they're doing a good work. Not if it is contrary to the word of God and contrary to the gospel. Our The will of God for us is our sanctification and that we would be responsible to hear his gospel and hear it every time we possibly can. The gospel is not everywhere. I've had people tell me that there are saved people in this group and I'll tell you, I have to tell them if they have to take the, the mass to identify themselves as believers, then that is not the gospel. It's over. Now, God saved me out of religion, but I couldn't stay there. And God has saved some of the other of us out of religion, but we just could not stay there. We cannot stay there. God is interested and has a will of our sanctification, and that is being with God's people. All right, over here in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, the scriptures say, In everything give thanks. What does it say then? For this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks. This is, the Lord showed me some more about his will. My sanctification, thank Him, thank Him, thank Him. Now sometimes that's difficult when things come along that we just rather not have in our life. And then we come around and find out, well, Lord, look at that. You just worked it out for your glory, your honor, and your praise. Thank you. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter says here, as he's led by the Holy Spirit, 1 Peter chapter 4, don't quit because things don't go well. Don't quit 
First Peter chapter 4 and verse 19. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. Hmm. Those that suffer according to the will of God. Now that suffering can be several ways. We suffer in this present evil world with our own bodies. Our bodies of affliction. They ache and pain. They grow weary. We suffer there. But that is the will of God. Did you know it says that sinners will die? And that is the will of God. And then we find out here in uh, uh, verse 18 there, excuse me, First uh, Peter, excuse me, First Peter chapter 4 verse 19, it says, Wherefore let them suffer according to the will of God. Have you ever had someone says, don't you ever bring that up to me again. I will not go along with that doctrine you call election. I will not go along with God's sovereignty. I will not go. All right, it says there, Wherefore let him that suffereth according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. He is our creator. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You know that passage of scripture. We were in chapter 8 there. I was discussing this with this lady that just lost her brother last night. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. You know, that isn't a flippant verse of scripture just to throw around any time. That's a verse of scripture to meditate on and consider because sometimes it's very difficult that the, the plate that the Lord gave us is a, sometimes a difficult plate. Here it says there, and we know. We come to the conclusion, though, that it is the will of God. We come to the conclusion, as Brother Henry said at that funeral, we know this, this is the will of God. God's will was done. It's not by mistake we're having this funeral. It is on purpose that we're here. And as it says here, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now the church, it works out for their good. To the church and everybody in it, it works out for their good. To the church of the living God, it works out for their good. To them who are the called according to his purpose. It works out. Now, we may not see it, but it works out for good because God has purposed it to take place. Now, let us go back over there to the book of of, uh, Numbers again for just a moment. Numbers chapter 9. In the book of Numbers chapter 9, as Moses, a wise man, a man that was... He was the meekest man that ever lived. I read that definition one time in a book... Meekness is power under control. He was the meekest man. You know, he interceded on the behalf of Israel in some of their worst, most miserable times. He, it is recorded that he stood between God and them and pled their case. Now, God wasn't going to wipe them off the face of the earth. But we certainly learn a lot about Moses during that experience. Here in the book of Numbers chapter 9 and verse 8, Moses said unto them, Stand still, and I'll hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Now notice 
Verse 9, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel. Now this seems to be pretty spontaneous, pretty quick. I'm thankful for when that happens. Sometimes it takes longer. How do we know the will of God? Now sometimes it's just so apparent. Things just turn out so quickly. Things just work out so finely. There's just no problem. And sometimes, what in the world is going on in my life right now? Well, here in the book of Numbers, chapter 9, verse uh, 10, speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If any man of you or of your posterity shall be unclean by reason of a dead body or be in a journey afar off, yet he shall keep the Passover unto the Lord the fourteenth day of the second month at even. They shall keep it and eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And he goes on to explain, this one is to be exactly like the first one. The first month, fourteenth day of the first month, the description is not given here like it was in this passage, but he wants them to understand you're going to observe it exactly like the first one. Now it goes on to tell us here, if somebody says, well, you know, I just don't feel like doing it today. I'll wait till the next one comes along. The Lord says, they shall be cut off. I'll do it in my way. They shall be cut off. Well, we'll look at this as our time is up. But we'll look at this later and we're going to find out that the Old Testament and the New Testament Every era of every age, every eon that has ever taken place as the gospel is being preached, it is going to be exactly the same. Those people that are going to have the Passover the second month, 14th day of the second month, it is going to be exactly like the 14th day of the first month. The people in the Old Testament are going to be saved exactly like they're saved during the New Testament economy that we're in. Exactly the same. Same lamb, same blood, same sacrifice, same work of grace, same, 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 same. So we have a wonderful illustration of that here as we look at them observing the Passover the second time. Now in the book of Chronicles, we'll get over to that point. In the book of Chronicles, the whole nation of Israel couldn't eat it on the first, uh, first month. They had to all wait till the second month. Because they were all defiled. What a statement is made. But they got to eat the Passover. Just like all of God's people will be able to participate in the sacrificial lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, at his good bidding. As we heard this morning in that lesson, that is the appointed time. And he will open our mouths and we will eat. Brother Mike, if you'll come.